On the show today, Rich and I discuss children's soccer, some of our favorite Instagram food follows, and we drink a Garibaldi. I'm your host, Brad Jackson. You're listening to the October 9th, 2023 edition of Coffee and Koshan. So, Rich, uh, your kids do something that my kids do that most kids do in America, and that is play soccer. Uh, it seems to be, if I had to guess, probably the most or one of the most popular kids sports. Everybody plays soccer at some point or another. But you wrote a great piece in The Federalist this week that echoes something that I've been feeling uh, for a long time. But you, you crystallized it really well about how um, parents of these kids have to understand it's okay for this kid to play the sport and enjoy the sport. The kid doesn't have to be an Olympic medalist and doesn't have to, you know, grow up to to uh, be a multimillionaire in the Premier League. Right. Right. And that's something that we parents on the sidelines encounter a lot is parents really looking at this as a strategic decision about, you know, what club is my kid going to play on? What sort of extra lessons, you know, can we practice five nights a week because they see this path to, you know, a professional uh, soccer player or Olympian, and, and they don't take into consideration that it, 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 the odds just aren't there. Yeah, they're not. And and the thing is, you can play a sport and just enjoy it. <laughs> I've yeah. had this conversation with my son before. Like, <laughs> it's okay to just play a sport for enjoyment. I play golf sometimes because I enjoy it or because I tell myself I enjoy it. It doesn't mean that I'm going to try and try out for the PGA Tour. And and for kids, it's the same way. You can play a sport and have fun, and it teaches you all sorts of great life lessons. It doesn't mean that the parents have to be there driving them, you know, day after day after day to, to be their meal ticket. Right. And since we're talking about our children, who, by the way, are children— I think it's a very important that fun be the primary objective of organized sports. I mean, yes, naturally it's a competition. So kids are going to want to excel. They're going to want to win, but at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter. You know, they're, they're going to make friends. They're going to learn a lot of valuable lessons about how to interact with people about teamwork, but mostly they need to enjoy the simple pleasure of physical activity outside or, or inside during the, the indoor season. And it doesn't have to be like school. It doesn't have to be a secondary path towards adulthood. They're going to become adults soon enough and experience the crushing weight of being an adult. There's no reason <laughs> to, to jumpstart it when they're 11 years old. <laughs> You'll learn disappointment, kids. It's all right. <laughs> um, it, it, is this something that you think is more prevalent because of the way our society has become structured that parents think, oh, my God, if my kid's going to do this, like they, they've got to be great at it. They've, uh, we got to do all this extra, you know, time and and special lessons. Blah, blah, blah. They, they've, you know, they've got to be an Olympic medalist. Blah. So I think that's a huge part of it. 
Another factor is that there aren't as many kids out there. So whereas when you and I were growing up, you know, sure, we might play football at school or, you know, in my case, I played one season of soccer at the, at the boys club. It was just the boys club then. This was before the boys and girls club to go ahead and date myself a little bit. But for the most part, it was you could just go out in the neighborhood and put together a team to play basketball or soccer or baseball or whatever. And now neighborhoods are kind of empty. Even the neighborhood we live in, it actually has a lot of kids. But kids don't just go outside and find one another anymore because we've created the system where they kind of expect to be chauffeured somewhere to play with other kids. And then another thing is I, I think we've developed too much of a vocational sense of childhood, which is odd given the state of you know, how advanced we are as a society for the most part, and things like that, where we think everything has to be working towards some concrete goal, as opposed to just raising well-rounded kids who can figure their shit out when they're an adult and make the most of their own lives as they want to. Well, yeah, that's that actually brings up an interesting point, because I know when I was a kid and I would come home from school, I'd get off the bus, I'd have a snack, I'd drop off my crap. And my mom would be like, okay, be home for dinner. Yeah. And then, you know, I had a few hours to just sort of roam the neighborhood. And our neighborhood area was like essentially like like a mile uh, on every side. And um, we had a lot of land to just cover. We would just go do something. Like a group of us would get together and we'd go explore the woods or we'd go, you know, uh, wander, you know, half a mile to another friend's house or whatever. Like kids today, you're right. They expect to be driven somewhere for an official play date. And I can tell you there is literally nothing in this world I hate more than play dates. Those like, you don't need a play date. Go find a kid. Play. Yeah. Play basketball. Play. I mean, what? what play tag. I don't care. Like, but you don't need a play date. What the fuck is that? <laughs> exactly. You know, there are times, you know, one of my best buds has a daughter who's roughly the same age as my youngest daughter and they get along. So sometimes we will intentionally get together, but that's so we can drink a beer while the kids play. You know, it's not, you know, us like, hey, let's pretend to be friends for an hour while our kids get together. You know, it's a different thing. Yeah, there's nothing I hate more than play dates. Um, uh, So uh, let me ask you this then. You're... you're, um, this is about your daughter. Does she in does she enjoy soccer? Does she see it as as just a fun time where she gets together with her friends and they exercise and do all this stuff? Or do you think she has any inkling of her as like, oh, I need to be I need to be super good at this? She just enjoys it. Uh, she's played since she's was four, which obviously wasn't real soccer at four years old, just a little program at, at daycare. And she fell in love with it early. And there are times when she talks about how she would like to be able to play college ball or, but she never says, you know, I'm going to go pro or I'm going to go to the Olympics. When we have these conversations, it's more like, Hey, if you really do love this, you could do like a cousin of mine who went to a smaller school for basketball on a, on an athletic scholarship, but he knew he would never be pro But now he coaches in the NBA's G League because he wanted to go the coaching path. And so if she really loves it, we do discuss that, you know, that's an option to keep open for later in life. But she she doesn't want to just practice all the time. She wants to have fun. She came from a more 
competitive club, one that over time evolved into a, you know, win or nothing situation when we would travel, the parents didn't hang out at night. You know, they've got their kids watching game films and stuff like that. Everyone's in, <laughs> you know, in t- and, and bear in mind, we're talking about like 10 years old at this point. Oh and God. you know, everybody's in tears and completely demoralized if they lose. And it, that's not coming from the kids that comes from the parents pushing that on the kids which is awful. And so I've always been very conscientious and my wife as well about, Hey, this is supposed to be fun. You know, you shouldn't, you know, if, if you have a bad game, it's okay to be a little beat up about it. She had a tournament this weekend. She's actually switched to playing goalie this year, which is a huge departure, but their goalie quit. She doesn't flinch when she's got flying objects coming at her head. So, uh, all right, let's play goalie. But this weekend they, <laughs> They played against 16-year-old girls, and she didn't give up that many goals, but they lost, and she won't talk to me right now because she's bummed. But it's not like she's going to wake up tomorrow and be like, you know, I'm just not as good of a human today as I was before I gave up these goals this weekend. So, you know, it's okay. You know, in the moment, you're going to have those thoughts. And I think that she also, to kind of look at another angle, back to your question about how we got here is when I played my one year of soccer, I loved it, but I aged out. And so, you know, I've got no like laurels that I'm like trying to rest on. I'm not Uncle Rico out there throwing the football, reliving (laughs) my glory days. And when I played soccer, there were no parents reliving their glory days. My dad, who uh, watched me not do well at both football and I never even made it to little league. I couldn't make it through the uh, tryouts. I wasn't good enough, but he watched me try my hand at these various sports. And he goes, you know, soccer was the best because none of the parents knew what the hell was going on. So we couldn't try to live through you. We could just let you play. And it was, so it was the perfect sport at the time. (laughs) I like that. That's a good point. Um, all right, so now we're going to do something, uh, sort of the beginning of a series here. Um, you and I uh, get a lot of ideas for our show from uh, stuff we find on social media. And really the only social media I enjoy doing um, is Instagram these days. So um, the thing about food is that uh, Instagram lends itself naturally to great food stuff because, well, at least initially, it was a photo-based um, social media network. And so people would take pictures of what they were eating or pictures of what they made or uh, pictures of, of how they were making something or something along those lines. And um, so there have been a lot of food people on Instagram since the beginning. So we thought every once in a while here, what we'll do is we'll identify a couple of great follows for you on Instagram. If you want good recipes, if you want uh, good videos, good photos of how to do cool food stuff. Uh, we've got you covered. So uh, I'll go first. My my first one uh, that I want to touch on uh, for this week was Milk Street. And uh, this is Christopher Kimball's thing. Um, and uh, he's been on our friend Ben Dominich's show before. Uh, great guy. Um, they have so much great food stuff. They have videos. They have pictures. They have history of food. They have recipes. They take gorgeous photos of their food, which is something I really like. Um, so when you're looking at it on your phone, it's really pretty. All the stuff is just very well shot, very well lit. And frankly, the recipes are good. 
They have great, like right now, since we're actually, it's actually fall, at least starts to feel like fall anyway, a little bit. Um, they have some great soups. Um, so, uh, we're getting into uh, pies and stuff because it's that time of year. All of that stuff is available. Uh, if you give uh, Milk Street a follow, uh, it will absolutely be worth it. It's a great addition to your feed. Uh, it's pretty. <laughs> and uh, all the stuff they make is great. So that's that's my uh, first suggestion. Um, so, Rich, who's your guy that you want to highlight today? Uh, I am going to add that also Milk Street has good kitchen products. You yes, know, they sometimes do. Sometimes when you get into these these branded things, they're not good. But my mom gave us a uh, the Milk Street Nigiri, which is a Japanese vegetable knife. Like, that's a very good Christmas. knife. And it's, yeah, it's fantastic. So that's another uh, benefit of Milk Street. But the person that I am highlighting is just one of those influencers who's managed to rise up on social media. Uh, his name is Jake Fullerton, at least according to his profile. You can find him at Barbecue with Big Jake. And he's just this guy uh, <clears throat> who lives somewhere in the South. I forget exactly where. And uh, works as like an EMT or something, but just loves to cook and smoke and grill. And he makes all of these really accessible recipes that you can follow. Uh, there was one that I saved uh, yesterday for this potato dish. And the thing I appreciate about him is you, when you start following these food uh, people on Instagram is they have these trends, you know, and every time they make a crispy sandwich, you know, they scrape the knife, listen to that crunch and, and this and that. And I understand why, but what I've come to appreciate about him is he, he does that stuff, but he also does it in a very tongue in cheek kind of aware sort of way. So like when we're talking about meat, you know, you cut into your smoked brisket or whatever, you know, look at that cross section, but this dude will like, you know, he might make an enchilada or some dip or something like that. And he'll like scoop into it or, or cut into the enchilada and like, look at that cross section. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that's one of the things I really appreciate is it's, you know, he's, he's still having fun with it. And uh, at the same time, he showcases a lot of other products and, and things like that. He does seem to have a line of rubs that he's working on. It hasn't been released. But in the meantime, he will highlight all these other products. So rather than it just being about himself, it's like, oh, well, you should check out this Heath Riles uh, garlic butter uh, rub, which is a, or seasoning, which is a great seasoning. Or, or check out this Dollar Jer Jerky Club beef jerky that you can snack on while you're smoking your brisket or whatever. And so I appreciate the way that by just following him, I get exposed to all these other products that I can just buy at the grocery store or order online or whatever. And they've all that I've tried been really solid recommendations. See, I like that. Yeah, that's a good point because he, he brings in other people whose products he's tested that are good, but you know, that are common guys that you can get good stuff for. That's nice. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, this week's drink I really like, um, because I always have Campari in my bar and this is a different, a different way to use that Campari. So tell us about the Garibaldi. So this is actually one I came across on Instagram. I believe it's, uh, the, the handle of the guy is the educated bartender or just educated bartender. And he gives a little history and whatnot with each one of his recipes. And, uh, he was making this drink and I, I believe it was Giuseppe Garibaldi who was like a world war two guy or something like that. 
And it's a very simple recipe, but it's just very refreshing and tasty. And what you'll do is take four ounces of orange juice. Now, anyone who's listened to this show knows that normally I am Mr. Fresh Juice, but I did not want to go to the store and buy a bunch of oranges. So I used some some Florida's natural in this case. Uh, Hope everyone will forgive me. And you take either a, uh, a, a coffee frother, one of those little mini blenders, or uh, just throw it in a shaker, and you want to really shake up your OJ until it gets good and frothy. Uh, you put that in a glass with some ice, and then you pour in two ounces of Campari, stir, garnish with an orange wedge, and drink. And... As Campari drinkers know, it does have a lot of bitterness to it. And this recipe softens it and sweetens it just enough to where you still get that little bit of that bracing bitterness that you associate with Campari. But it it turns it into just a super refreshing and super simple two-ingredient cocktail that anyone can make, you know, if this is your first foray into trying to make something besides an, an and Coke or something like that, it's a very easy one and it's basically impossible to mess up because it's just, you know, four ounces juice, two ounces booze. That sounds great. And, and, uh, this is a nice alternative when you're thinking like, Hey, can I make a juice cocktail? This is a, 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 something different than just like a screwdriver, right? I mean, this, this is a little more refined. I like that. Yes. And it's one that you could serve to anyone, even if they aren't, you know, Campari fans, because it does, like I said, soften it up just enough to where you're not getting that full Campari experience. So, you know, if you've got somebody at your house who wants something a little sweeter and you don't have the ingredients to make, you know, a, a, a screwdriver or, you know, some sort of like a beach drink, but you've got Campari and orange juice, this is something you could serve to them and it would probably go over very well. It gives me a reason to buy orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> Not something I keep in my house very often. <laughs> All right, Rich. Thanks. Uh, as always. Thank you, Brad. Have a great one.